everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome to LOI Central. We're back on Zoom. Dan is on the plane tomorrow. Uh, he's not on a charter flight. Uh, he's not on a charter flight in Dublin or Shannon, but he's off to Hungary uh, via... Where are you going, Dan, Dan? You're going via Germany, is it? Um, I'm going to Frankfurt in the morning, Johnny, yeah, and coming back. Uh, Zurich, but uh, I mean, I, I do get to fly out of Dublin, which is not a privilege bestowed on uh, Shamrock Rovers players. Um, but it is if you obviously play for a team in Bulgaria, but not, not for not for Shamrock Rovers players unless there's heavy fog in Shannon. But uh, if you're oh, if you're doing the if you're doing the two fly route, um, like myself and a couple of other journalists are, you, you can leave Dublin, albeit at a uh, an ungodly hour on Wednesday morning. Yeah, we have had a long run of League of Ireland teams in Europe. So there was one. It's down to Shamrock Rovers. So this is going to go on for a while. There's a lot more to today's show than that, though. Uh, we're going to check in with Liam Carrigan. Um, and this is going to just be a, a rare thing for us to chat to a League of Ireland player who's made the move to Italy. Uh, so Liam joined us today from a sweltering Como to chat about life over there and uh, how he uh, thinks things are going in the League of Ireland. We are in association with Future Ticketing. Porterhouse Brewery and Collar and Cuff. Decky and Collar and Cuff will give you a free shirt and tie if you get a suit. And Dan, we've some exciting news as well. We do, Johnny. Um, we've spoken for a long time about our plans to do a live show, and we are doing one. We can confirm the date for the diary, Sunday, September the 4th. It's in Lost Lane, which is sort of affiliated to our friends in Porterhouse um, off Grafton Street. So um, it's a limited event. In terms of tickets, but we will it's not a be limited in touch. I mean, it's limited, well, I mean, limited entry. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously going to be like uh, in racing parlance, it's going to be a group one class, obviously, as opposed to limited. But uh, limited tickets. But we just keep an eye on our social channels. Um, it'll probably be early next week. We think when the the tickets go on sale, we're going to have some good guests in the night. We hope it's going to be a good show. Um, we've been talking about doing it for a while. Um. And we are going to do it Sunday, September the 4th in Dublin. Six, seven in the evening time, we think. We have a few mm. details to, to hammer down. I know it's, you know, people traveling out of Dublin, et cetera. Um, it, it can be slightly complicated. But uh, as we know, well, knowing this league, Johnny, fixtures, rescheduling, European matters and stuff, we, we've had this on our radar for a while. And we had a few things to figure out. But that is the day we are going for. Yeah, so um, you may have noticed Porterhouse uh, Brewery is being done up at the moment there and um, just on Nassau Street. So exciting times ahead for the night out and the brewery itself. Uh, we also have the mailbag after we'll hear from young Kerrigan um, because we had lots of uh, content this week, much of it uh, about Shamrock Rovers and the Derry game and the non-refixture and so on and so forth. This Sunday night, Dundalk are playing Shamrock Rovers. The title race could actually be back on again. Um, Derry obviously clinging on in there. But the main talking point, I think last week, for me, Anyway, the main talking point happened in Taladan. Um, St. Patrick's Athletic, it, it happened to be um, Joseph Anang's last game for them. That turned out to be uh, quite a talking point as well. But this was mad. It was a it was a very, very hot night in Tala. Uh, they gave away a sloppy goal, but, you know, were effectively somewhat in control of the tie, albeit level and aggregate, when uh, they had a very harsh sending off, uh, sorry, uh, penalty rather, in the second half. One of the best atmospheres I've experienced at a League of Ireland team playing at home in Europe and a little bit of a feeling of what might have been for Pats because they had a spate of chances really uh, at 1-0 down that they could have scored. Um, they've gone out, uh, they beat Sligo obviously in the lead to get back on track in the league, but there was an awful lot of uh, an awful lot to talk about in this apart from the fact that Pats are gone from uh, the Conference League this year. Yeah, I mean, very like very frustrating Um Ah, it's just a, just a frustrating outcome because it, it, it was one of those where I say this every year, I repeat myself, like you can sort of handle it. Of your spoke about it last week, I think sometimes they can be overrated too. Like we, we instantly say any team that from another league wins, oh, they're out of this world. Maybe they weren't out of this world. I mean, Sligo Rovers did much better against Viking in second leg. Like, I'll be a Viking probably knew they were through, but it showed that like if you if you're really you know, if you if you hit your maximum or certainly do everything right and avoid sort of basic mistakes and stuff. You know, you, you can do things against them, but I think with Pats and, and Seska, um, I mean, I think they they weren't a bad team to get at this stage of the competition. I think they had their sort of vulnerabilities, um, and and I think the Pats game plan was pretty good for, for the 180 minutes, even in terms of, you know, the the runs Adam O'Reilly was making last week, the breaks from deep, a lot of the things that they were doing um, were good, and. 
um, it's just it's just frustrating. I mean, the, the, it was a bad decision. There's no doubt it was a bad decision. Um, Did you think it was a penalty at the time, time actually? Um, no, but I mean, I didn't know either. Like, I, I needed to see the replay to be sure. I just I, I was struck by how the other player who was in the incident didn't appeal, and it was a late whistle. So, so no would be my honest answer. But then I didn't know for certain, and maybe the replay was one of those where it make it obvious that it was a penalty, but it wasn't the case. Now, I'm conscious of like just labouring the hard luck story thing. I mean, the the marking for the first goal was bad. The guy it looked like a sophisticated set piece move at the time, and actually you watch it back, and it wasn't really. And it was just a guy at the back post unmarked who slipped into a position. Um, presumably they they watched a bit of pats and stuff, but I mean after that you couldn't really complain with how they did, um, how they played. Um, again, I suppose if you don't take your chances, yeah, you can say, oh, it's missed chance they should have gone through. But I suppose there's a basic lack of quality if you don't take them, and you have to. I suppose you can look at it and say that while Seska were quite limited would they have taken some of those chances if they'd been able to create them? Like possibly they they would have, you know, the superior maybe cutting edge might have shown, even though, again, in general play, like, I mean, before the tie, like, you know, they scored a set piece, they scored a set piece and they scored a, a penalty, you know, and it did seem like a team that wasn't going to kill you in open play and it's frustrating. And yeah, maybe Basel would have been a, a step too far, likely would have been, but you would have got another European night in, in Tala this Thursday, um, another sense of that buzz. And I mean, I noticed it was talked about. I wouldn't labour the point either. I think their crowd was then considerably against Sligo Rovers on Sunday. I mean, we know there's cost of living issues. It's tough. You know, people probably pick a game on Thursday and don't do it on Sunday. But there is always that sense of you come back down to earth from like a real big event like that to a flat one a couple of days later. And there's a deflation that you're out of Europe. Um, but they're not. Like, they're, I mean, sorry. They're out of Europe, but their season isn't over. Like there's something to, to to still play for. Um, the Anand one was weird. It does seem like he basically um wasn't going to go to Bulgaria unless they agreed to this um move. And and Tim Clancy's suggesting he's he's been badly advised. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. There's a comment on the mailbag which will probably deal yeah. with this type of move, and we might come back to that then. Yeah, as Dan says, we will get to the mailbag. Um, there were some uh, points made about Anang and it seemed to be something of a blackmail, really, uh, in terms of him going there. Just on the league front, Dan, then, um, Bo's struggles continued. I don't think they had a shot on target against uh, Dundalk, who were reduced to 10 men. And to be fair, they were reduced to 10 men because Andy Boyle made a professional foul on one of Bo's many recruits uh, in recent times. But Bo's, you know, who been taken off early? This is an impressive uh, result from Dundalk. What did you make of it? Yeah, I like I thought the dog in the circumstances, like both started very well for like five, ten minutes, and then when Huben went off, O'Donnell probably people might have assumed him assumed he might bring on um McMillan, but mm. instead um instead went for uh uh John Martin and went for the sort of the the, the one through the middle and yeah. um yeah, like I mean, they they manage the game very well from that point, and, and they're very good. And I think O'Donnell is doing a tremendous job, you know. Because then Boyle goes off, and again, even with ten, they were reasonably comfortable. And I know I speak to some Bose fans after, and they're pretty unimpressed. But in saying that, the fact there's so many new signings, it gives them a, a mitigation. It gives them a bit of that. But um, like Dundalk are just sort of. I, I was looking at some of the post-match scenes afterwards. Brian Gartland very animated, and I think like. They feel like they're getting a bit of their old sort of fight back. That yeah. it wasn't a classic performance by any means, but that they they dug it out. I mean, they've dropped some points. Maybe they might be disappointed by recently, um, but in this one, they sort of faced a bit of adversity and they won it. And okay, like they'll have picked up some. I mean, a suspension with Boyle, and I'm not sure what the story is with with Hooven. Um, I mean. While Rovers are naturally face a big disadvantage coming off the back of playing in Hungary and what looks like it's going to be really warm weather um, on Thursday and, and coming back to Shannon and you know the dog have a full week to prefer, pre- prepare um you know they, they are going to be down a few but that they, they sort of fancy themselves I think probably to have a crack at it now and that game which is like Sunday at seven o'clock is a big match I did hear some suggestion on the grapevine that uh RT might have shown it if it was shown if it was played earlier in the day right. but I'm not sure if there was a, a willingness at a short notice to to rearrange the date um, Dundalk we, gained, could have, we could have that title race Dundalk gained two points from over they probably should have been three though and Alan Manis 
I think if people were to debate it, Alan Manis or Anang would probably be the two most impressive goalkeepers this season uh, until uh, Anang left. But obviously, Manis saved a, a soft penalty by patching. But this looked more like it from Derry. Um, obviously, they got Rovers at a good time. Jack Byrne came on. By all accounts, wasn't great. Rovers looked very tired in the second half. Basically, uh, Derry hit the, hit the post late on. Should have won the game, but this was a lot more encouraging. Michael Duffy nearly scored, and you got the feeling that Rory Higgins was happy that they lost the battle, maybe, but they won the war in some respects on the night. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I listened to to Higgins afterwards. Um, I don't really follow it. But what so they lost the battle and won the war. They didn't win the team. game, but it, it sounded like they were right back to sort of where he wanted them to be. They should have won the game against Shamrock Rovers, and they've been very good against Shamrock Rovers after a fairly patchy run of form from Derry. So would it have been then that they they won the battle ish, but they engaged in a ceasefire truce about the war. Yeah, something like that. To be fair, they didn't actually win anything. It was a one. It was a nil all draw. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It was yeah. just like bad old analogy. If Derry, if Derry had won, it'd be interesting. They didn't. Anyway, Rovers dropped a point, but um, I don't know. This looked far more encouraging from Derry. Just some concerns about Jack Burns' performance, Dan. Well, I, I don't think just concerns about his performance. It's just that he he hasn't been available, and um, he's just easing his naturally. He's he's coming off off a couple mm. of. Uh, I don't know, is it a couple of months or sort of, I know he had a, a debrief return. It's just more so that they, they, you'd want him to be further along in terms of being able to make an impact at these European games. But I think you have to give a bit of leeway for someone coming back, you know, for whatever. I think he came in a bit earlier than expected because Burke went off. So um, he's feeling his way back in, but he, you'd obviously prefer if you had a, a 100% fit fully at Jack Burke. I'm not sure if you have it yet. I'm just not sure when we can expect to see it. It might just be... It might take a couple of weeks, you know, they're, they're going to have enough games with everything that's going on that at some stage you presume he's going to be thrown in for a for a 90 and you go from there. But is it going to be Ferenc Farras? Like, I, I, I'd be surprised, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Like, you know, who knows? Maybe that first game, is a, there's a fear factor around it. And when you get through it unscathed, then you just kick on from there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like it was, it was, it was a good result for Rovers and it sounds like a better one if they if they had to hang on a bit in the second half and, and after sort of the week that they had, you sense that they were sort of feeding off a bit of the of the adversity or something and they treat it as a very serious game and there's no damage done with the result. And you kind of wonder even, would they be distraught if they even drew with them Dock this Sunday? It's more a case of not losing to these teams, I think, and um, not letting the gap close, maintain the gap, and then you feel that, when the time comes, they'll be able to deal with it, you know, in in in, in the sort of in the in the weeks and months to sort of get across the job. But to lose would be the disaster to really open the door. Like they still have a good cushion on points that you'd you'd imagine if they can maintain the gap, they'd be confident of being able to deal with it. You know, and you sort of mm. feel like Sunday is is more of a must win game for them dock. Although maybe they might feel just hang in there as well and and, and hope that Rovers are sort of uh just, just struggling with this Thursday Sunday stuff eventually because it's yeah. a, it's a more it's more congested than ever because of the World Cup. You see, it's it's way more congested um, group stage campaign here than the previous ones, which which would have gone on into December. I mean, Rovers technically are going to have a game the night before the league is supposed to finish, so presumably the league isn't going to finish on the Friday the fourth or whatever it is. It'll, it'll probably be on the Sunday um, if they want all the games played on the last day. So there's all these other elements that are going to come into a league title race if there is one. Yeah, Dundalk hanging on in there. They have a lot of league winners in their team as well. And before we get to Kerrigan and the UCD beating Finn Harps, Ryan Brennan celebration, Dan. This is not a good, not a good look for Damien Duffy. Apparently, fat boy, fat boy, fat boy. Yeah, we, got, we don't he, know. We don't know who called him what. We don't. Uh, Johnny, we're we're don't only know. we're only trying to guess. But Ryan Brennan, in fairness, uh, you know, it, it did seem a little bit kind of sudden and acrimonious his departure from Damien Duff, Shelburne, so on and so forth. He wasn't the only player let go. The quality of this uh, volley finish, though, and um, the, the the notable goal, I think, that attracted most attention and the celebration was almost lost in uh, the narrative of the celebration itself as he looked at the shells dugout. This is kind of one of the reasons I love the League of Ireland, Dan. Well, yeah, I mean, like there's, it was well flagged at the time when, um, when when Duff released a number of players that there was some unhappiness about it. And uh, Alec de Brennan's, like, their value for money in terms of quotes and, and entertainment and, and what they say. And, and for people who maybe aren't aware, like, he was pretty open afterwards about, um, he did say that a member of the, uh, the visiting management team who played at a high level... Um, 
had, had referenced them as, as fat boy. That's his version of events um, and a celebration. Could be more was, than one uh, person, to be fair. Well, I mean, that's it. You know, there's, 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 there's several on the staff. So, I mean, and look at, like, I mean, if, if we were to start sort of um, getting serious into everything that's said on the sideline about anyone, I mean, mm. you'd be here forever, like, you know, but um, it just so happens that Ryan Brennan is, 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 has acknowledged it in a celebration and then spoken about it afterwards. So that's why we're talking about it here. Um, and of course, Duff was speaking afterwards as well about sort of being speechless over the Pats refixture, which I was wrong about last week in that I thought it might come to light quickly what was going to happen. Um, it's it's clearly taken a bit longer and people can make up that what they will but we're speaking again now on what Tuesday evening um, I can't imagine they can leave it too much longer in terms of clarifying what's happening there um, because it's obviously a domino effect uh, on a lot of other games and situations and you know cup matches and, and what does fourth mean and, and, and all of this um, you presume they'll need they'll need some clarity soon around around all of that um, but um, yeah, well, let, let's perhaps move on to our chat earlier today with Liam Kerrigan, uh, a young man from Tupper Curry in Sligo, now loving life out in Como in Italy. Um, and of course, better known here as, as ex-UCD winger Liam Kerrigan. But we had a good chat with him. How has it been so far? This, uh, you know, this story involving Dennis Wise, Mark Birch and Cesc Fabregas <laughs> and yourselves. It's hard to make it up. <laughs> Um, so far, so good. Um, I've settled in very well, probably better than expected. Um, so at the start, we, I suppose we were on away for a pre-season camp in Borneo, which is up in the Alps somewhere, which I think was the best thing that could have happened to me, to be honest, because I was amongst the lads for three weeks straight, rather than say if it was here, you go train, you go home. So I had to make relationships with them and they had to kind of get used to me and think that helped big time. That's been key for me, I think. And it, like, what's the dressing room like? Because at one level, you're this kind of Irish guy that they're getting to know on the other level, then you've says Fabregas. So are they kind of cool about both of you? Uh, to be fair, they're, they're all right. Um, see, I think Spanish and Italian are a bit more alike. So Sesc already understands a lot of what they'd say, whereas I'm sitting there, not a clue. <laughs> But um, they, in fairness, they tried to talk to me and they made me feel very welcome. Like even with broken English, they do try to get me involved. So yeah, it's it's that type of uh, country. To be fair, um, what's Fabregas been so, like? Sorry, Dan. Uh, he's uh, he's actually you know you don't really know what to expect because obviously he's won everything nearly you can possibly win. So you don't just know what to expect when you've seen this person your whole life because you're. He started, I think, when he was 16, he was saying. So I'm only 22, so that's basically my whole life watching football. I've been watching him, like, and he's bang on, like, so humble and so sound. So tell me, like, the weekend just gone, I mean, there was two news stories, like Fabregas wasn't involved, and then you were just an unused sub. So <laughs> tell me, what's the, what's, the, what's the story with Fabregas at the moment? Is he far off actually being involved? And yourself, uh, are you happy enough sort of to be involved? Just not necessarily getting on, but you're you're very much in the squad. You're very much yeah, around. yeah. Um, with Sesk, I think um, he's doing a bit of a preseason now. He he said he hasn't played a game in ten months only, other than two two or three friendlies. So he's getting back to full fitness. I'd say be ready to go in next two or three weeks. And with myself, to be honest, I thought I'd get on, but then the way the game was going. We were one nil up against probably one of the favourites to go back up. So we put on a few defenders rather than attackers try see it out. But other than a, a worldly of a strike killed us there. But I knew the way the game was going that I probably wouldn't get on. But hope, hopefully I'll get the debut soon. Yeah, so it was, it was a one-all draw for people who aren't who aren't familiar with it against Cagliari. Um, what was the just for people who who maybe have heard of Como now because of you, but they're not really sure what it's like. Like, what was the match day experience like? What was the crowd like? The atmosphere, you know, what was the sort of uh, the vibe like in for an actual competitive game? Um, I suppose it was the first one for me as well, so it was like new to me because obviously I played in the stadium but with no fans, so I didn't really know what to expect around around the place but the the fans are mental didn't stop for the the whole game 
Um, even last week we were away in Spezia for the Coppa Italia and we didn't have that many there, but just going for the whole 90 minutes, proper singing and then wait around after the game. We were doing runs after the game and they're waiting around roaring at you and everything. So it's a bit different playing at UCD. <laughs> so like you spoke a little bit there just before we went on air, just a little bit about the sort of the lifestyle and, and your situation over there again. Like what, what is that? Like you're living on your own. You think you mentioned, um, but what's the day-to-day life like there for you now in terms of, I don't know, people to hang out with outside of training and just like yeah. that general sort of uh, environment. Um, it's, it's intense enough training wise. Um, we just had two days off because our game isn't until Sunday. But other than that, we'll have no day off during the week. So we'll have a couple of double sessions and train every day until the game. And I'd imagine we'll travel to Pisa probably the day before. But um, outside the football, I tend to stay inside until after four o'clock nearly because the heat. And the second you step outside, you're just sweating. Like, but, really, um, it's that bad. Yeah, it's that intense. Yeah, but they said it's, it's, it's never like this hot in Como, they said it's a different summer for them completely as well. But I suppose there's few English speaking lads. So I've um, Nick, who was, he's just signed from Nottingham Forest. He was on loan here last year. And then Lewis Binks is on, on loan from Bologna. And he played at Spurs underage. So obviously he's proper English fella. So outside of football, I'm all right as well. Like I'm not on me on the whole time so it's all yeah right. yeah yeah no, no listen we're not portraying you as some loner stuck no. over in italy <laughs> or something like that it's not a sad story uh, come here are you seeing much of bertram around the place mark bertram and dennis wise like are they are they visible if you know what i mean like around the club yeah bertram bertram's in with us every day so he's takes a few sessions here and there so bertram's in as like proper coach um which is good for me because he's kind of knows what session is going on before training and then if I don't understand say he can explain to me and talk to me nearly about everything and so he's there permanent with us all the time and Dennis Dennis you see him for the games really most of the home games he'd be at he I think he still lives in England and he does the something with the Indonesians in England he runs like an academy over there so he is in between both, I think. Right, okay. The thing about Bertram, um, and I think it's been referenced a couple of times, that obviously he had that mad playoff game last year where he was in yeah. with the, the Waterford fans yeah. and all, all of this was kicking off. Like, have you ever spoken to him about that whole time? And obviously, personally, I think everyone in the stadium probably knew that was a big game for the likes of yourself, you know, because every Premier Division manager in Ireland was there, I think, you know, looking at players and so on. But did you ever imagine that there'd be some sort of twist of fate that you and Bertram would, would cross paths again? And have you spoken to him about that? Um, I've spoken about the, the two games. I think he really enjoyed Watford as far as he lets on the news. Um, but I, I suppose it's a bit of a strange one that Probably two of my best games all year were against Waterford in the Cup and uh, Waterford in the playoff game. So I suppose he was there for the two of them. And then obviously when he, I think he was, knew he was coming to this job in May. So he threw my name in and then obviously the club done a bit of looking around and they went to the game in Ascoli for the under 21s. Obviously said that, uh, give me a go in here. So it's strange old story how it happened, but I suppose that's football, isn't it? Yeah, and is it a coincidence, like you said, two of your best games was against Premier Division opposition last season? Um, I suppose they're probably two of the games where you think, like, you have to prove yourself. Like, I was doing well in the first division every week, like, and then people can say, like, oh, but can you do it against uh, better opposition? So I think you do kind of hype yourself up for them games. And luckily, I suppose they both went my way. Well, obviously, personally, we didn't win the cup game, but we came close enough. And then obviously the promotion as well. So, And how did you find, um, your, not only your goal against Montenegro, how did you find the step up this season to Premier Division then? 
Um, difficult enough, um, but like for us at UC and everyone still there, like you much prefer it because you're playing against better players every week where you're going to have to move the ball quicker. You're going to have to defend better, attack better. Like, so it can only make you stronger as a player. And you can see now, like uh, before I left, our performances were getting better. And now you can see the boys are getting a few results here and there, which I, I said before, or just as I left on another podcast, that I think the boys will be all right because the performances were getting better. And I suppose we got the two first rounds out of the way and they're playing good football now. I've watched a few of the games, so I think they'll be all right, to be honest. Yeah, like the, the injury that Whelan sustained, like how, how good do you think he could be? Because I think a, a lot of people, maybe including myself, sort of wrote UCD off after you left and he was injured. Um, Colley can go as far as he wants, I think, to be honest. it's Being able to score goals like that is something you don't really teach. I think it's an act, be it knowing where to be at the right time and the right place and even he does that and then creates his own goals as well he'll win the ball back and then could beat two or three men and score his own goal so he has a bit of everything like and I suppose he can't really teach some of that stuff and um, Liam like you, you sort of joked about it there you know Como is different to UCD in terms of the atmosphere and it's all part of the you know, this is part of the, the crack, I suppose, when it comes to talking about UCD, like people make joke about, you know, no fans and that's part of what goes with it. But like you made a decision to go there when you like you, you played a few games for Sligo Rovers and then the UCD thing came up. Um, like, did it sort of exceed your expectations? Like, did it deliver what you wanted it to deliver you? And can you see the place that they have to offer in Irish football to the likes of yourself and, what Yaro now? I know he's a bit yeah. younger, but there's so many of them over the years. You know, like did did it deliver what what was sold to you? If you know what I mean, hundred uh, percent. If if any young young player in any club in the country came to me and asked if you're going back, would you do the same thing? I'd say do exactly what I did nearly because I know I probably could have been a bit part player here and there at Sligo and maybe might have broke in eventually, but. I the week I left Sligo, I played straight away, and I I must I think I played sixty or seventy games for UCD, and majority of them were starts. So, like if you if you think I suppose it's going to take a while to break in at your club, I think UCD is the perfect place to go because you go you play games and then you get a degree on the side because sure I've a degree in commerce now that hopefully I won't have to use for a while but it's not a, not too shabby of a degree like well you could be using it to add up your contracts I mean this is the thing you can be your own financial advisor on your own deals or something you know but uh, listen I'm only joking but it, it, like how because sometimes when people speak about UCD I can't think who it was that was it was in with us it might have been Gary O'Neill or Ferruja a couple of years ago like they point out that the facilities on site were, were pretty good, like, you know, in terms of gym or access to stuff that you can sort of train like a professional in some ways, you know, in terms yeah. of facilities. Was, was that your, like, were you on campus? Like, what was your yeah. experience? So I, I lived on campus and like the boys said, everything is there. So like, I, I suppose I got lucky with my degree. It wasn't too many hours. So I was basically living as a professional, really. Uh, but I just trained in the evenings. That was the only difference. Like I was probably doing the same amount I was doing at Sligo, but I just had other stuff to do during the day. But like even here, like you have a lot of hours of the day to fill. So you, you don't realize at the time, I suppose, that it's probably a good thing for your head as well, that you have something here and something there that you can divide your attention a little bit. It doesn't have to be solely football or solely college. Like, I've often I've often thought that because like you know if you see some of the players get into coaching when they're still playing professional footballers have an awful lot of downtime and like that's not necessarily ideal either. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's probably not. Um, at the moment, I'm not too bad because I'm trying to sort stuff out like different country after and then with the house, so I'm trying to sort stuff out. But I'd say in the winter, like I'll have to find something to do because the weather won't be as nice as it is now and. Um, you, it's not really good for you if you just sat in the house all day and just 
watched everything there's to watch on Netflix. So I'll have to figure out something to be had. And the, the UCD thing, like, what's the atmosphere like in the squad? Because it's a, it's a unique place. You know, there's not that much media coverage. As we're saying, we've been trying to get Andy Myler on, but he, with his day job, he can't even come on. And what was it like under Andy? Because Andy's kind of getting a bit of respect now, I think, as a manager for what he's done at UCD this season. Uh, 100%. Andy's very good and very good for me. Helped me to get me where I am now. And in UCD, I suppose... It, the dressing room is always going to be good at UC because it's all young fellas who are in around the same age and they're all there for the same reason. Like it, most of the UC players, like you look at all the boys have, who have moved on, like a lot, everyone wants to be a footballer. Like, so you're all there for the same thing. You're playing, you're playing for UCD, but you know, it's a stepping stone. So I think like everyone kind of has the same goal in mind that everyone wants to play at the highest level which is obviously the Premier Division, which can only benefit you as a player. So it's, I suppose it's a good dressing room to be in because there's genuinely nothing's going to be toxic about it. Like It's not like boys are there picking up a paycheck because you can't miss scholarships. Like So you have to be there for yourself, which I think benefits the club big time. And what, what was the difference like standard-wise going into the training at Como then? Um, it's... It's a, it's better, like obviously it's gonna be better, but the it's just different. Like say everywhere I've been before and even twenty ones, you play a lot of five sides at the end of training. But say here, we, it's nearly all eleven of sides in smaller pitches. So I think it's to like build Gosh. up the relationships with the players you're gonna be around on the match day. Mm. But at the start I struggle a bit because small a big a small pitch with 22 men in it I was like not just not used to it, I suppose but um now I'm I'm finding myself able to hold me on now at least yeah and actually the the the, the, at the last part of the jigsaw which I had mistaken I thought uh the Gattuso that we all know was your manager but it's actually a different Gattuso a bit of a club legend no no it's not um Gattuso the Milan what's his name Gennaro <laughs> Gennaro yeah yeah um no it's not him but to be fair, the manager is very good, but he doesn't speak Italian, so or sorry, English. So yeah, all <laughs> comes through this. <laughs> Struggling if he didn't speak Italian, but um no, so all the messages come through the assistant who speaks relatively good English to me. So thank God for that because I, I like sometimes he shouts at me in Italian and you nearly just have to go at what you think he said by the use of his arms. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, uh, Liam. Like Raf Raf Gutaro was obviously known as the Tubber Curry Tornado for all his years. Did, it, did I have a name for you then? In that case, or was it um, taken up like Tubber Curry? What like? I you know, I had a coach, Brian Dorian Dinky. You scoped me the typhoon. You say? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I can say uh, Tubber Curry typhoon, typhoon. I can see that. Yeah, I'll, but you mentioned then the like, tornado to Raf. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think you, it's funny you mentioned Brian Dorian there. He he comes up a lot. Um, for players in that sort of region, you know, the Gavin McGinty had a special word for him, I think, when he left and stuff too. And Raf, I know, has been has given you advice at various stages. Like, have they been big figures in your life? Yeah, in fairness, all all the coaches at Slayer Rovers, I suppose you can't really forget about them. I know UCD was where I got the move from, but the 17s and 19s and even into the first team, I learned a fierce amount there. Like, and I would have been a lot smaller than I am now. So stuff with them coaches, they would have nearly taught me how to use my body and move the ball a bit quicker because I was smaller and a bit less physical. So all that stuff is standing to me now where I've kind of filled out and got a bit stronger and bigger. So that stuff kind of is good for me now that I have the like sort of technical stuff that I had to use when I was smaller and now that I can hold my own it kind of comes together then. And come here, were you watching the Sligo European stuff from afar this year? Like, yeah, yeah. Watched, bit, it, was it was a great buzz. It was a great buzz around the area. Yeah. It's it's been a while since um I've seen showgrounds like that. Even playing, I suppose I never played in Europe there, but we were only getting one and a half or two thousand every week. Whereas it's nice to see it full. But I remember 
I'd say I was under 13 or under 14 last time they were there and being ball by like so that would have been the last time I've seen it. All right, in European games or like league yeah. games or stuff, I, big ones, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was Rosenberg or someone like that. I remember, you know, yes. Gams Pedersen that used to play for yes. Blackburn. He was definitely playing. So whatever oh, okay. team he was with, I can't remember the exact team. Yeah, it might have been Rosenberger. I'm trying to think, like, because they played Molda as well. Mm. They played Molda as uh, well. One of, one of them teams, I can't remember. Yeah, the Rovers fans listening will be screaming at us. But uh, just finally for me, um, like, how easy a decision was it to, to move at this stage? Because I know, like, most of the Premier Clubs here wanted you. They probably, they probably had calls and meetings with all sorts of people that were giving you a big sell. Like, how difficult was that process of reaching a decision, or was it easy? Um, I think when this one came in, it was easy enough once the logistics were settled, because, like, you're once, one step away from playing at the highest level in Italy, which I can sort of see the pathway and the club. Obviously, I sort of knew a bit more coming to the club about the uh, um, aims. And then obviously people have seen now Fabregas coming and stuff like that, that the club is serious about getting up. So I think for me, it made sense where I can learn a different style of football and use my own style from home and say that Irish style and hopefully blend the two together and make myself a much better player and hopefully with the club go up to Syria and give that a shot eventually so I think stuff like that made the decision easy I know moving away from home and to a different country where you don't speak the language but I think that'll be good for me as well learn another language and learn another culture like it's all experience at the same time yeah, we we we'll wrap we'll wrap now. Just to mention, I, I was on to Alan Reynolds to get a bit of a character reference for you, and he said you're a good lad and great crack as well. So that must be a good thing. Uh, Rennie's good crack himself. <laughs> he's, he's certainly that. Well, best of luck in Pisa. Um, remember the last time I was there, we got a got a late late plane to Pisa and got a train overnight to see uh, Totti play for Roma the next day. He was coming back, and I ended up getting the shift off some English girl under the leaning tower of Pisa. So hopefully you have a good weekend as well. <laughs> cheers cheers top man yeah thanks Salim for chatting to us uh, from Como um, yeah as I say they're playing Pisa at the weekend on Sunday very interesting to see how he gets on and um, it's funny Dan like Seth Fabregas played with Stephen O'Donnell I think he kept him out of the team but was Stevie captain of the Arsenal under 17 team back in the day but it's come full circle now anyway Stevie O'Donnell starting as a manager Fabregas is playing with a, a young lad from Tober Curry which is a bit mad yeah no I mean <laughs> Well, O'Donnell and, and uh, I did a piece last year with O'Donnell and Patrick Craig mm. um, and there was Bradley and Barrett who were all in Arsenal at the same time, Stephen Bradley and Graham Barrett, who were all in Arsenal at the same time together. Um, and I think, I'm trying to think Fabregas, what year was he born? Um, He's 35 now, I think. But Fabregas came in, but like, he obviously was, like he was playing first team straight away, so he's like, you know, he's 87, 1987. Stephen O'Donnell is, I think, 1986, if I'm not mistaken. So mm. it's obviously it's sort of a sort of a substantial... Like one year at that age can mean a lot, but... Uh, he mentioned Fabregas Mark Bertram moved, as well, and uh, there's a lot happened in Walford. I think, yeah, I, th I think Fabregas moved into the digs after. That's what it was. I think Fabregas <laughs> moved into their, into their gaff after. So I think right. it was something like that... Um, going on so yeah there was there was a connection there that was the, the that was the point but um the Waterford thing yeah I mean another day another takeover um I'm not sure at the time has this gone through Andy Pilly from Fleetwood Town um yeah uh, is, is is coming in so um yeah they're they're, they're in the process of uh it's speaking on Tuesday night I'm not sure if it's 100% gone through but it is about to go through so um we shall see uh, is this another? Is this a, a knight in shining armor, or is this another? Will we we'll be back here again in eighteen months? Mm. It's not fair on him, maybe that that's been the experience of of previous uh, ownership situations. But um, obviously, Richard Forrest came in. A lot of people were enthusiastic. He obviously brought his sons in as well too, um, and people weren't maybe as enthusiastic about them. And uh, it all ended 
strangely, you know, I'll never forget him sort of leaving after the final whistle in that aforementioned UCD Waterford game. He was straight out the door to the director's box at full time gone because the, the crowd were unhappy. And so this guy, Andy Pilly, is his, his story at Fleetwood is an impressive one. Um, mm. 18 years and he bought them for, for nothing initially and brought them all up. Obviously, in, in, in here, there's not the same ladder. So there's not the same sense of achievement. There's like one rung you need to move up and what are you going to do then? Um, but I suppose he was in attendance on, on, on Monday night watching the 10-man uh, hold out against Cork and, and clearly believes there's something there. And there's no, I, I, I haven't heard him speak. I think there might have been some, some stuff done today which I didn't attend. Um, but I'd be shocked if there wasn't a Brexit angle again to this. Yeah, and interesting. And also, like, Walford have... Uh... Watford have quite good facilities for, for players to train there. They had a biggish crowd again. Great happens for a Friday night, beating Galway United. And then, as you say, Hole and Cork. So, um, Watford to me is, is a bit more of a sleeping giant than the likes of Galway United, really. Watford probably has, has more scope. Um, but anyway, that, that was that. Um, now, Mark Feeney was the winner of our quiz last week, Dan, and the answer was Richie Baker. The question went way back 20 odd years to Shells. Yeah, Sloga Yugamanda. It was mm. the, the name, the, uh, named the Irish team. That uh, they said the goal scorer for the Irish team that won away from home, which was a historic game at the time. Um, we think about it like the 90s was such a wasteland for like good results. Like every Irish team that went away did not win, <laughs> like yeah. they, most of them lost. I mean, it was Pats and Celtic, and there would have been sort of sporadic, you know, and, and, and of course, like Bayern Munich and Cork. And, and I mean, I named some of the teams they played against, and obviously, as a reason, it was harder. Like at times, you know, you would have been drawn against a big team in the first round and you're out. So there's, a, there's, there's a also reasons why it was tougher in that era. Um, but um, also as well, wasn't there a story about shells losing away somewhere? I'm not sure if it was one of these urban myths, but uh, it might have been a Kranas in Iceland and some reports of like a song in the back of the bus that were only in for the lolly olly or something mm. like that towards Oliver, which was... Re, you know, reproduced as an intro several years later, but it's 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 funny how in a very short space of time um, they went from that to being shells who were sort of pushing, you know, pushing for Europe, you know, pushing for Champions League in 2004, you know. So they were on the job. One um, of my favorite stories is a young lad uh, telling me or telling us, um, probably off the record. I don't, I can't even remember who it was now. Oh, he uh-oh. was one of the, he was one of the younger players, and he basically was his job for the night, the, the jolly after they were knocked out in Europe, was to mind the wedding rings for all the the players. So uh, you know, you can believe in that what you want, but they they, they did have a good time. To be fair, that's that's I'm not sure what shells team you're talking about. There. You're it wasn't any shell. I don't even know it was a shells. It was just some team in Europe, like so. There's no uh, no suggestion it was shells. It's probably not true. It's probably not true. Anyway, it could have been it could have been metal detectors. But um, <laughs> anyway, this week's question is, uh, and it's sort of a, a historical European theme as well because we had Liam Kerrigan on, and I was going to put in something about UCD against Velbaged in 2000, which Martin played better, Robbie or John? <laughs> Thought that would be too obvious. Uh, I think the more the more recent UCD European campaign is too obvious. Uh, they played Doodle Ange. They played Sloven Bratislava. But here's the thing. UCD have only played four European ties in their history. They played Velbage in uh, 2000. And 2015-16, as I mentioned, they played Dudelange and Sloven Bratislava. Name the other club that UCD played in European football. Um, it is back in the 80s. We've maybe given hints away in terms of, you know, you would play good teams back then. But the only other time UCD qualified for Europe, uh, it was the 84-85 season. They won the FEI Cup in, in 84. You know that I ended up talking about this with uh, one of the players' sons on, on Astro there not that long ago. There's another... I, I, I would guess who that is, but um, yeah. I mean, don't give us too much more information. So um, when I mentioned last uh, week that um, uh, Idemo Amaku's record was three goals in Europe two in uh, the league. James Rogers, fan of the show, obviously replied to the effect that when Robbie Benson was playing in Europe uh, earlier in his career, he had the exact same record, presumably for Dundalk. I sent this on to Robbie Williams and he said, I only play the European... To who? To, who? to Robbie, Robbie Williams. Williams. I said, well, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not either Robbie that's, Williams. That's like, uh, oh that's, you know, that's, when thing, that's when things go wrong in the phone book. I oh remember... Uh, I'm loving Angel. The, said. There's, there's a story about... Um, an angel. There's a, there's a story about a, a League of Ireland journalist who... Um, 
who reported the story of a, of a manager of a club, I think in the early 2000s, getting sacked. You know, he, um, this manager had been sacked unceremoniously by his club. Um, and I think this journalist might have broken the story. Um, but at the same breath, then he was inviting people to a barbecue that weekend if they were free. And somehow the, the wrong text message was sent to this League of Ireland manager who A, is coming to terms with the news he's just been sacked and B, a journalist responsible was now sending him a message going, listen, are you around this weekend? Are you free this weekend? Which of course he obviously is if he's just got sacked. Um, so be careful. Do the, not the send messages to Robbie Williams. Yeah, to Robbie Benson. So- so I sent this to Robbie Benson. I was like, oh, here's what James Rogers said. And he said, I only play the European games back then, to which I replied, look at you now. And he said, I only play league games now, but playing league games quite well for Dundalk. And they're probably back in Europe next year, Dan. Yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I think it's looking pretty good for them in that respect. I would have thought so. Um, yeah, it is time for the shocked. mailbag. It is time for the mailbag. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Now, there are a few questions in the mailbag. Um, Aaron Jones, does RTE's willingness to show Rangers the PSV show their lack of regard for LOI? Um, now, this, I knew this would go around. I mentioned it in the newsletter last week. Um, there's also a, a game on Virgin Media. I think it's Dynamo Kiev and Benfica. The Champions League broadcasters contractually have to show a playoff round tie. They have to show one in the Champions League. They don't have a choice. Now, they could put it, I don't know, could they put it on news now or whatever? But um, yeah, Rangers PSV is on, but it's contractual. It's always a story. It doesn't, it, you know, I, I said grief is deserved sometimes. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it isn't. In this case, if you want the Champions League rights, you have to show a game. But I love how Linfield is Pat Finlan is involved in the coverage anyway. That's a nice one for me. A little bit of a laugh. Yeah. Pat's fan culture. Will Dan just accept SOD? Stephen O'Donnell joined a smaller club for once. I find that odd, to be honest. Um, But I mean, big club, small club stuff. I mean, how do you even argue the the toss on that? We were arguing. I remember. They're both decent. They're both decent sized clubs, I think. What are we in season six now? And I I described Pat's as a, not a, I think I described Pat's as a small club or something like that. And I I got a bit of a slagging over it. That seems a long time ago. But um, on the evidence of last Thursday, there could be a big club. And the evidence of Sunday, maybe there's still a bit of a small club. Yeah, I, I listen. You know, the, the, I think to be fair, their attendances this season have gone up, probably under the radar. It's it's missed. Yeah, yeah. Attendance has been good. You're going to have low points, I suppose. And you know, as I said, cost of living, a lot of young people, families, they might just pick and choose one game in, in a week. I even understand that. Joseph Lennon praising Clancy's performance in Europe, missed chances. We've spoken about that. Crutzy, worst fist that I've ever seen. Um, Graham Merrow, Aaron Bulger is unreal. First division player of the year. I suppose, Johnny, you'd see more first division. Who would be the first division player of the year? I mean, everyone loves the first division. It could be. It could be Stephen Walsh. He's fourteen goals um, having been thrown up front for United. Really important games. I, I definitely would say he's not far off. Bulger's been good. I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't seen that much Cork City. Um, if anyone, to... if anyone, if you, if you, uh, if you had Johnny down to put a goalie player up, just take your number for the raffle, and we'll be in touch in due course. He scored forty. I think he, he scored. I think he scored ten or eleven goals for United ever. He was thrown up front in, at thirty-one, and he scored fourteen goals in the league. Doesn't take penalties, and hasn't great even started story. games. Great story, but has he been the best? Like it's the great. It's, I mean, it's it's definitely if you were to do like a, a hallmark NAF sort of. Uh, documentary you know about mm. you know a true life like he he'd definitely be in it right you'd have walsh he'd be a character but would he be like you know would he be the outstanding player in the division it's different probably the best story is he the best mm. player that's what i'm asking you know yeah um, i'm not sure what the answer is but what would, would phoenix patterson or someone yeah phoenix patterson is probably like is possibly the best player in the division maybe he's had a bit of a stop start campaign again i haven't seen that much water i'm not going to lie here yeah, no, um, and I mean, uh, it, we'll see where Waterford are at. I mean, they'll probably fancy, they're, they're coming into a bit of form, so they might fancy themselves in the playoffs. Sean Dirk and Rovers draw was a great result considering injuries and time to prepare. Yeah, I think, as I said, they'd be happy with it. Fergal, yeah, this is what I wanted to reference earlier. With the unaligned season, the club risks, um, won the risk of more Nang situations with loans from England. Yeah, they do. I mean, and that's part of the trade-off. I mean, it, it can work both ways. Um, you know, maybe you get some players in January on a season-long loan that, 
you know, in other circumstances, it would be more difficult to get them, but you know you'll lose some. Whereas the flip side is like in the August window, you're not really getting lads in the loan on loan from the UK for say three months. It's harder. Mm. So I don't know. Like it is good. I mean, I suppose if you look at it this year, I mean Mark Connolly in a slightly different type of thing, but was lost. You know, that recall option was in there. Um, the dog had to fight to probably, you know, they, they had to extend McCarry. Um, but it is it is probably going to happen. The lo- the loans with the UK isn't going to stop. Um, and and Anne got the chance to go to Derby and he I was he, he, understand. He, he, totally. Know. It was just it was just a little bit strange because I mean again it's is it the player? Everything I heard about Anang was that this is a great lad. You see him in under nineteen games. He drives this crappy old car even though he's on good money West Ham. He's just a good humble lad. But then it's like this this doesn't paint him in a good light. But then Clancy's obviously implying that um you know he was basically badly advised. So I was, you, you know, I was yeah like I, I was thinking of you Johnny when Anang left. I was like Johnny's going to be like. But he went to the under-19 games. It was like, I'm thinking Anang was maybe there agonising over the decision. He thought, could I go to Derby? You know, big club, big stadium. But in saying that, Sorry, really you, like wrote an article in the, you wrote an article in the Sunday Independent about young managers on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> just robbing all my ideas. But also, right, on Pat's recruitment, Justin Ang was a great, a, a great one. What about the boy Serge, right? He got a goal. Watch the highlights of the Sligo game. The pace of the man. But uh, there was one moment in the game. I don't know if you saw the highlights, Dan. So Sligo, are, obviously, they have an extra man. Pats are holding on here, sort of 10 v 11. Chris Forrester effectively does a nutmeg at the edge of his own box, right? Sets up this unbelievable chance uh, for Serge, uh, for, uh, for rather for um, Tunde Olabi. Tunde Olabi doesn't pass the ball. Forrester's made the run all the way into the opposition box to basically score a tap in if Tunde plays the ball to him. As I say, Chris Forrester, some of the things he did last Thursday, I'm not sure about him playing out in the wing, but I could see what they were doing if he came into the game second half. Just a joy to watch, Dan. And that, if you haven't watched, Back, watch the little skill he did at the edge of the box against Sligo 10 v 11. Yeah, I mean, I think someone was, was someone in the mail like even critical though. They were critical of Forrester last Thursday, I think, sort of taking the view that actually did he get caught up a little bit in some of the, the show, the performance, you know, um, and even somebody I go after the match and stuff. And they, uh, it was it was actually more critical taking Forrester, which I thought was a I suppose like you get wowed by these moments, but like was he involved in madly incisive moments on Thursday oh, yes. relative to other ties? No, like he was. Like he set up to amazingly like, good chances. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it was a comment to come in, but like I suppose like you could see the disappointment in Pats after the game on Thursday night. Like, um, and it, it's a big thing for them that they were able to bounce back, I think, on Sunday. You are right with the young managers. I did let you know on Saturday, Johnny, I'm doing a piece on the Sunday night with the young managers. I thought it'd be amusing. I put it out there, and sure enough, a couple of fans of the show were in touch straight away. a lot of them at the Pats game, actually. It was a great, it's a great happens for a Thursday night. If they'd won now, I was going to go back to McDowell's. WWS, my old friend, uh, met a couple of old friends of him. Um, I think it's 15 years since he passed, and the point was made, the old Pats fan, how he would have loved a night like this. And it would have been amazing yeah. if they carried it into this week, but Pats are a club, I think, going places one way or the other. Yeah, and you were, of course, delighted that some of the fans you show you met told you that I gave you a hard time. They did, but I mean, they, you weren't there, so it was a lot easier to say when you weren't there. Fergal Kavanagh has seen a Shamagawa's paid in talk. Welcome to the title race. Would definitely when I consider choosing it as one of the contracted games. As I said, I believe RT did did actually make did try and do that, but it would involve changing the kickoff time. Um, Rowan, and how much do you think Shamrock Rovers playing twice a week can influence the title race? I think it can, but I think this is why they just need to maintain their cushion. A um, couple of comments about yeah the the Pats attendance thing from the Rovers pod, of course. Sometimes a lot of the comments one club having a go with the other over attendance is, I mean, you know, we'll see how, like, some of the, if Rovers will play a lot of Sunday evening games between now and the end of the season. We'll see if the crowds hold up for all of them. I suspect they might have some some tough crowds in there too. The dock, obviously, probably not, but there'll be lower key ones as well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Paddy Daly, big shout out to the stewards and Jerry last Friday. Very helpful and top class attitude. Credit where it's due. I mean, That's it's nice to have a bit of yeah, crowd control related positivity. Uh, Mark Murphy shared a lot of moose that was wasted on the bench after they brought another keeper. Um, that's yeah, that's because uh, Danny Rogers was signed. 
Yadamusa was so bad, but he, I still stand over my opinion that he was badly advised that mm. season and spent spent January going on trials. And we're seeing lads getting moves now without needing to go on trials. And um, mm. uh, you know, like okay, someone might go and train somewhere or whatever, but Yadamusa was going to places where it didn't seem like anyone was sure about him at all. Yeah, um, that's just a waste of time for a player, and it, to me, it reduces your value. Um, Lorcan Kerry is. Um, and particularly when so many other players have got moves, but as I said, but I haven't to do that, and they're doing just fine. So the league shouldn't need to be agents pushing lads away on trials here, there, and everywhere. Totally. Not, not for me. I mean, there's the Sean Gretton case recently, but he hasn't played very much first team football. Anyone who's played first team football shouldn't be doing it. Lorcan Kerry is Joe Redmond, the best centre back in the league. Um, someone replied, not even the top five in South Dublin at the moment. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean, you've been outside. You've been at his house, of course. Yeah, of course. I was very near his house actually quite recently, and I could, I can tell you that he is a just been outside his gaff. He is a very good player. Uh, Conley's a very good player. I thought I you were going to say he's a very good gaff. Con- Conley, um. Conley, I can't wait for Dundalk and Derry's uh, when they play. I, I'd like to see because um, Shane Keegan um, has been saying that he got a bit of slagging at the Wexford game. He was like, "I celebrated the goals Cove, Cove scored against." Of course, it would. They were calling me a wanker uh, throughout the game. But what reaction will the Dundalk fans give Conley? Uh, I'm very much looking forward to because he wasn't there very long, and he's very, very good, and he's but pretty they've done much a what? They've done it already. Should the dog play Derry last week, Johnny? And he was playing. That was yeah. that was that was there we go. So I've just completely missed that. There you go. Yeah, sure. He was he was responsible for the Hooban. He was not responsible, he but Hooban spun away. Hooban right. spun away from him to get the leveler, and that was part of the, the local joy. He didn't he got some grief, but not too much. I actually think that the Derry lads going back to the dog, um mm. It hasn't been that bad. Like it hasn't. I don't think the abuse for the lads who left on dock during the, the peak six badness years has been that bad. I think Gannon has probably got the most, and that's because I think people were upset that he didn't really do anything on social media after he left, and he'd been there for so long. Right. Whereas Connolly, I think, made a big gesture of sort of. I think there's an understanding that he probably wanted to stay, and the deal just couldn't be done. Um, right. He did want to stay, you know, but um. But yeah, um, there is also a suggestion here that Adamusa has, has picked up an injury as well too. So, um, you know that that obviously would would add to, would add to his sense of frustration over the year has how the year has panned out. So I think it's important to make that point as well. I, I don't change my view about what happened to him in January though. How he ended up being a number two. Um, yeah, we had a lot of comments this week actually um, about various uh, various things, but. Um, I think that's a that's a sort of a reflection of it. Sorry, I knew there was one more I wanted to get to. Dave O'Grady, how positive is it that we're finally seeing some LOI clubs able to turn down insulting offers? Rovers rejecting bids for uh, rejecting bids for Andy Lyons, the Blackpool thing, and for Amaku. Um, so yeah, like I think I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> they might reject bids now. They may they may not. Mm. You know. They may not reject them in, in in sort of due course, you know. Like I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Um, but I think like there's no doubt that, in fairness, the Pats with Dara Burns, they turned down some bids as well, and there probably has to be a determination to sort of uh, to play hardball. And I mean, Amaku has scored a couple of goals in European competition now against decent sides, and he's got a great profile. Uh, Andy Lyons, okay, he's at the club for a year. Maybe you're, you're, does that make your case weaker in terms of looking for big money? Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think you know, with the amount of money that's saved for points in Europe and and so on, um, there's very, there's a very strong case for for digging in. I'm not sure if it represents some great progress in the league. Well, I think the Macro and Lyons would like to play group stages in Europe as well. Like, well, yeah, but I think, but I think as well that like. It reflects the progress in Rovers that they've made around three million quid from Gavin Bazunu. So mm. they don't need to sell someone for 100 or 150 grand. And they don't have a clause, obviously, you know, like they did with Mandry, which completely killed them. Um, but I, yeah, like I, I still imagine both of those players will be sold. Probably will they be here this time next year? It's a, possibly unlikely. Well, I don't, but, have, a, I don't have a big yeah. issue with that, though. Like, I mean, yeah. Amaku, see, if Andy Lyons goes, like Rovers are. Rovers are pretty well equipped in wing back areas, and Andy Lyons goes fair enough. He goes to wherever he goes, Blackpool or wherever he goes. 
that's that's the way it is in Ireland now. We're going to be selling for a signal. It's not a bad thing as long as we're co- we're properly constant compensated and build up the academies. I don't have a major issue with that. And we haven't. If you're playing for Shamrock Rovers now, you're going to get a lot of exposure playing in the Europa Conference League. You're going to play twelve odd games, fourteen odd games in Europe. Um, it's not a bad place to be if you're a young player. And uh, if you go, fair enough. It may not work out for you. You may end up back at Shamrock Rovers uh, as the likes of Graham Burke did. Dan, how will Rovers get on? I give them a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's Farrens Farris is some. They're 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 preparing for an unpleasant British style of football, according to their sporting director. Wow, um, which is never the heard usual, that Yeah, it's a, the textbook Irish club being insulted by a European nation who 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 doesn't understand how this team tries to play, etc. But that is a we have some of that from their sporting directors, so that'll that'll have gone down well. Um, it's a weird one this tie, really, like. Because it's a massive European game. I'm really looking forward to going over it, going over to it. And it's like it's significant, you know, if Rovers end up in the Europa League, do they have to play in the Aviva? Some chat about that. Um, you know, could they end up playing like a, a super club, which is possible, um, or Manchester United? Um, and like there are there are these sort of scenarios there, but in saying that, they have their initial target in the back pocket. Um, so they can probably have a pressure-free go at it. Bit without, of a free hit. Floor, Bit of a free hit. The floor talent was pressure, mm. um, but if you you know it was it was it was desolation and they got knocked out of the cup off the back because they were so good. And I'm not sure if they're going to be bringing a big hangover out of this tie to wherever they you know wherever it brings them. Some sort of frame which of actually reference. will be. Yeah, Ferns, draw the three, 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 yeah. Draw the three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ferns Ferros beats Fervar 4-0 quite recently in the league. Bose fans obviously remember Fervar. That's my favorite. Yeah, but like but form is like you know, collateral yeah. form and this can be all over the place. Totally. I mean, do you know it's 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 they beat Carabeg. No, they didn't. They got they got turned over by so they lost to Carabeg and they beat uh, Slovan Bratislava Yeah, they beat Slovan Bratislava well, and then it looks like they had a bit of a meltdown at home to Carabag last week. They were three 0 down. So that would be encouraging from the Rovers' perspective that, yeah, the Carabag would be better than Rovers, but still, French Farris were, were you know conceded three times at home, you know, mm. in their own patch in a big game, and there's no doubt for them they would have been targeting the Champions League. So there's a massive hangover possibly for them. So I think just Rovers need to avoid this scenario of coming back chasing a big lead, you know. Yeah. And the, you know you want to see how they do in Tala in a big tie if they could start level, you know, or sort of a goal behind. But um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. But I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sort of only starting really into my homework on French virus there this evening, just looking at sort of the nature of their squad and some of the Many Irish hacks gone over, them. actually, do you know? Um, there, there is a couple of us going over. I don't know. I, I know Mark Cadnone Cows, there's a few people going. So yeah, I'm not sure 100% to get over there, but there is there is representation. It's it's been a nightmare to travel this year. Mm. Um, would have liked to have gone to to Shoopy. Would have liked to have gone even potentially to Ludogorets, but the the whole aviation situation. Um, I think to do it without it being sort of extortionately expensive, but you would have been gone for four or five days and then you would have missed other games involving other clubs in Europe. So it just didn't make sense to do it. But obviously Rovers are going to be the going to be the focus now. Um but yeah, what else have we got on this week in fixtures? Yeah. Um, so in the fixtures in the Premier Division, uh, four games Friday night, Shells, Bowes, that's what it looks like it's going to sell out in Tolka. Um obviously it's a fascinating game. Both of them sort of clinging on a bit to the hope of maybe finishing fourth. UCD, big big story. Ten men um and an unbelievable goal from Caffrey, wasn't it, to beat Finn Harps. Um unbelievable yeah. win really and getting them back back up to second last. Um you'd have to you'd have to wonder with Harps will you see I mean, it's out of the frying pan into the fire here at Belfield. They're playing Pats, who are obviously in great form. Drogs play Derry City. Uh, Derry City, again, holding to hold. You'd, you'd imagine Drogs are safe. Um, any flicker and hopes, obviously, they beat in Shelburne. Um, they can kind of play out the season a bit and look to next season. Finn Harps, Tiger Rovers, and Northwest Derby. And then, as I mentioned, uh, Sunday, obviously, uh, Shamrock Rovers and Law. The first division, Dan, it's kind of all happening. Um, just in the battle for fifth, Treaty were away to Cork and Wexford were obviously at home um, to Cove last weekend, but it completely flipped where Wexford couldn't beat Cove and Cork lost 2-0 at home to Treaty with an unbelievable goal. Um, Treaty's, Treaty, got, Treaty got one of the, I think you'd have to say, one of the goals of the season uh, so far from uh, Ben O'Reardon. That was a massive result, which puts them back in pole position. And at the, at the top, essentially... From a Go United perspective, if Go United win all their games, which is seven games, including Cork City at home, they played Walford. They win all their games, they'll probably 
Um, they probably statistically they'll probably win the league, but that's a big if. But Cork do seem to be wobbling a bit. Going out to Bray Wanderers, they probably will win that at Lone Town v Treaty. Coveranders, Cork City, obviously the, the the derby. Last time Cork were there, there's a bit of a uh, trouble with the old wall. Um, and Longford Town versus Wexford. Yeah, I still haven't heard, and you might notice, have they released the format of the playoffs this year? And is going to be a one leg final or a two legged final? You know, I know I'm normally the one that should be. Uh, should have this research before, but just because you're talking there, because like the UCD Finn Harp situation is really significant now. Like it's a big yeah. one for UCD. And like, who do you rather face in the playoff? Do you rather face a UCD side? You know, and if it's a one-off tie, is it different to a two-legged tie? Or do you rather play a Finn Harps? I mean, there's a lot of variables there to sort of like we were probably yeah. thinking about Finn Harps all year, but like we, we had Liam Carrigan on, and you can see how UCD reveled in that status last year. You know the whole crowd behind another team, and you have a free hit if you know what I mean. Not free it's, hit. It's, it's so far out though. Now you don't know what team you're facing at that time because I mean, both teams could struggle badly between now and then the season. I mean, they're basically outsiders in all their games from now on. Um, or one of them could hit a bit of form and and scramble home in second. So I think you you want to play the team that's. Personally, I'd probably still pick UCD because of Harps know-how, but Harps haven't been convinced at all this year. I mean, Ollie brought in a load of players. One of them, Bastian Airy, who's now signed for Go United. Who knows, will he end up playing them again in the playoffs? But I think the first division playoffs are going to be really, really tight because uh, Wexford are good. Like, Wexford are, are, are well up to beating any of them teams. Whoever finishes second, in my view, will be on a downer, basically. And if Go United finish second yeah. again, they'll be totally on a downer. So you have to win three games to go up. It's very unlikely. Um, I, I think it's it's really going to be fascinating. I think I think it's a it's a one-legged final, but I, I, I could stand corrected yeah, on that. Well, I think I'm sure that'll be corrected. I'm sure that'll be corrected in due course. But I suppose Galway are only on a downer, really, if they miss out on the last game. You know, like, you know, like... Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. sort of it depends when the it depends when the second place team learns their fate, if you know what I mean. And um, but that is always the thing. But um, yeah, listen, we we uh we'll have hopefully a lot to sort of reflect and, and discuss on next week's show. Either way, we're gonna have a big European night next Thursday and plenty more on the road ahead. We're conscious we don't want it to be a rover show for the rest of the year, but there's obviously gonna be what six, seven, I mean, eight more Thursdays for them, including these next two. And um, so naturally. It's going to be a lot of chat about them. But yeah. mean, I'm looking forward to getting away with an Irish club in Europe. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm kind of writing off the Premier League title race already. Um, so I'm just going to make a joke of myself again. But I actually think there might, there just might be a bit of livelihood in this title race. Yeah, with Rovers having so many games to play, they might, they will pick up injuries and the dock will just tick along there. They've nothing else to worry about apart from Cup, obviously. And who knows what will happen with Derry, Michael Duffy coming back and Patrick McLinney clicking into form. Thanks to uh, future ticketing, thanks to Porterhouse Brewery, thanks to Colin Cove. Congratulations to Mark Feeney uh, for winning the prize. And we shall be back next week. Thank you.